As women, we are often raised to be hyper aware of our bodies. Now, this isn't all bad because our bodies are incredible works of art, magic makers that literally birth children into this world. But so often, our bodies become symbols of worship, and we can fall into a trap of trying to mold and morph our bodies as a way of filling up our cup of self-worth. Lacey Marie got breast implants thinking it would be her ticket to acceptance and love. Little did she know it was those very breasts that would end up being the biggest teacher of her life. Lacey has one of those stories that literally just takes your breath away. Just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. I was so blown away by Lacey's story in this episode and her amazing sense of self-discovery that she shares with us in it. I can't wait for you to tune in. Lacey Marie is boobless and fabulous, and she's my special guest today on The Inside Story. Hi, I'm April Adams Pertwee. I'm your host of The Inside Story podcast. I've been telling people stories my entire adult life as a broadcast journalist, video producer, and digital storyteller. These days, you can find me at Lightbeamers, where I'm building a community of women who are ready to step into their brave by sharing their story with the world. On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Lightbeamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Lacey, I'm so excited to have you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Inside Story Podcast. And and let me tell you, to the listeners out there, we definitely have some inside stories to share today uh, with Lacey, who is really, as I said in the beginning, just the one word I use to describe her is survivor. And it's because there's been so many things that you have been through, Lacey, and many, many experiences that are on so many different levels, different from each other. Yet, what I see about you and what I've learned about you is that you just keep marching forward. You just keep marching forward, even though, you know, life deals you some huge blows. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because you're also someone who takes those challenges and takes these stories and openly shares them with other people, which, as you know, because you and I know each other and have done work together, (laughs) you know, that just makes my heart sing because this is really you harnessing the power of your story. So welcome to the Inside Story podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I'm very excited. Very excited. Well, I would love to give everyone just a little bit more context before we dive into all the meat of your story and all the things that have just unfolded one right after the other, right after the other, right after the other. Give everyone a little bit of context about who you are. How would you describe yourself and introduce yourself to other people? 
It's kind of a that's a, that's a loaded question right there. That is a very loaded question because just like you said, there are so many layers to who to who I am. Who you are. So yeah. I would just have to start out with you know I laugh and I tease people and say I'm just a hot mess that's doing it that just keeps yeah. going. But no, I am. I'm a single mom. I have four beautiful kids. I am a business owner, really just out there trying to do the very best that I can. Well, you are. And I'm curious, I want to start by asking you, as I said, one of the words that I use to describe you is I know you and I know a big part of your story mm-hmm. is that word survivor. Do you see yourself as a survivor? That is a great question. And it depends on the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it depends on the day and it depends on the moment. Because sometimes I will have days or have moments and I look and I'm like, yeah, I'm a freaking survivor. Like I'm doing it. I'm killing it. I'm kicking booty. And then there's other times and I'm like, I can't do this. I just want to crawl in a hole and just, <laughs> just be done. So another loaded question with a crazy answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot of people out there who, you know, are going to be listening to this also have those days. I'm one of them. You know, I think most days I'm rocking and rolling and I'm pretty good. But like anyone and like you, I have those days where I, I question and I wonder, you know, if I'm, <laughs> am I really making it? But you really have a good reason for having those questions because you have, like I said, your story is one of those stories where life has just dealt you not one, not two, not even three, but several blows. And they seem to just come in sequential order, mm-hmm. right? They just mm-hmm. keep seeming to come. Even like the most recent development, which is once I found this out, this is when I reached out to mm-hmm. you and said, okay, we've got to have you on the <laughs> podcast because just the way that you deal with things, again, I see that survivor in you. And I do believe at the end of the day, your story is inspirational. I think that a lot of people have a lot to learn from your story. Your story is one of those that's really big and magnanimous and also leaves a lot of other people sort of breathless and probably leaves you breathless a lot of days too. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you. Yes, it's very true. So let's dig in so that the listeners can catch up with us. Okay. What would you say was the first big blow that you experienced in your life that has been part of this bigger story that you're on? So the hindsight now, the first big blow was watching, getting news of my grandma and my mom when I was fairly young being diagnosed with cancer. I was the one that was there to see them through the whole process. You know, I remember going and taking them to chemo treatments and they would go together. You know, it'd be our girls day out. And I'm like, this is not what I want to do for girls day out. Like, let's go get pedicures or something. But that was a really big blow, especially when it came to the point that my grandma passed away after my mom's last chemotherapy treatment. And I remember standing, I remember this moment in time, I remember standing at my grandma's funeral and seeing my mom there with her bald head and her, you know, I want to say broken body or her healing body uh, because it had just been through so many surgeries and treatment and just standing there watching these amazing women in my life and just, just feeling lost and feeling supported all at the same time because of what they had just been through and what I had just, you know, gotten to experience with them. Um, but that, that was a pretty, and oh, and at the time I was pregnant with my, with my daughter. So it was a very much a female energy type thing, but 
that was really hard. That was a really hard point in in my life. Yeah. And that's so interesting the way you just described that because I'm looking at you. People can't see you, but I'm looking at you and Lacey has a bald head. <laughs> Her body, as you're going to hear coming up, is scarred and broken and battered. You are on your own healing journey mm-hmm. and you are probably also having moments, like we just said, where you feel lost <laughs> and you feel supported. Yes, yes. You nailed it right on the head. <laughs> right. And so life is so cyclical and life and our stories leave clues. And I find that truly fascinating that you've been on this path even before you particularly were on the path. Correct. Even before I had any idea. Any idea what was coming. So you dealt with the first big blow was finding out that your grandmother and your mother both had cancer at the same time. You ended up losing your grandmother. Is your mother still alive? She is. Yes, she's alive and doing well. That's wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful news. But you were the caretaker, pregnant with your daughter at the time. And I can empathize with a piece of that just because recently my father had cancer and I was a big part of his caretaking team and eventually, you know, lost him to cancer just this past year, which are some stories that I will be sharing on the Inside Story podcast soon. But I understand that walk that you were on, a piece of it anyway. And I, and I know so many others can too, because cancer, there's just not many people in our world that cancer hasn't touched in some way, shape or form. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly And so right. it is, yeah, it's definitely a journey. And cancer is a teacher. Cancer is definitely a teacher. So, okay, we're going to kind of tick these off as we go. Yes. So that's the first big blow. Mm-hmm. So we've got that. Yeah. We're going to unpack that a little bit more. What would you say in your experience in life was the next big blow that came your way? So after that, over the next probably 12 years or so, it felt like blow after blow after blow. There were so many things that was going on in my life. Some of the really big ones, there were lots of moves, job changes, Mm -hmm. career changes, but there were also a lot of, there was a lot of affairs and infidelity. Infidelity is surrounding me in my life that I got to learn how to navigate in very tricky, tricky ways. And that 100%, I want to say changed me as a person or built me as a person because Mm -hmm. it was just a whole nother layer that you get to deal with and navigate and be like, okay, but wait a second. So going through all of that and navigating that, and then it eventually turned into a divorce. So then Mm -hmm. I had my first divorce and it was just a whirlwind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Suddenly becoming a single mom. Mm-hmm. How many kids did you have at the time? I had four kids and I was primary. I was the stay at home mom. So I was the support at home. So I was taking care of the kids and my husband at the time he had, a, had a great career. We had built a great business together, a couple businesses together and just how divorce happens. There's like this lull in time that everybody's uncertain of what is happening and what is going on. And so everything gets frozen, right? Like plans, finances, everything just gets put on pause. So I did. I found myself with my four kids and no money. I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything to fall back on. I was just trying to figure it out. Homeless. So 
ended up crashing at my parents' house for quite a little while. There were a lot of us in one tiny little house. <laughs> and some really great memories were built there. But man, it sucked. It was hard. Yeah. It was really hard. Yeah. And so that's, again, another situation where you felt probably scared and frozen mm -hmm. and also supported, <laughs> right? Yes. I would imagine because thank goodness you had the parents that you could go crash their house, right? Yes. I mean, a lot of a lot of women find themselves in that situation after a divorce with kids and don't have the support. And it's lucky. And I know you're grateful for that. But still, nonetheless, super challenging <laughs> yes. with four kids. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so there's blow number two. So we've got, you know, cancer diagnosis, loss of a grandmother, navigating that as a caretaker into dealing with a tumultuous relationship for probably quite some time. And then ultimately that ending in divorce and being a single mom mm -hmm. with really no resources mm -hmm. at the time with four kids. Correct. How did you, just from that point alone, how did you, as I said, the survivor mentality mm -hmm. of you is that you just march forward. How did you march forward from that point in time? How did you get out of your mother, you know, your parents' mm -hmm. house take your kids and rebuild. It's interesting because as my first marriage was failing, I became really, really, really sick, which now we know ties into breast implant illness. But back then we had no idea. And I was incredibly, incredibly sick to the point that I had several doctors tell me just to go home and plan my funeral because they didn't know if I was going to make it, I had been through, I think it was like six surgeries in, in five months. I mean, I was 80 pounds. It was just, it was just a nightmare. And I remember laying on the couch, knowing that my marriage was in big trouble. I was on death's bed and I had these four beautiful babies and something inside of me just clicked or flipped, just switched. And I was just like, this is not my life. This is not how it's going to end. And I just dug deep and I went into my own mind and soul and just dug and stayed there. Whatever audible I could get my hands on because I didn't mm -hmm. have the strength to read. I didn't have the strength even really to talk or to communicate with people because I was so sick. But you know what I could do? I could lay on my couch. I could put my earbuds in and I could push play. And I would yeah. listen to whatever empowering words, messages, anything I could get my hands on, I would just listen to it and let it pour in. So that is, I credit me still being here and being alive to that because it was other people's stories. It was other people talking and telling their experiences and their positivity that kept me going and kept me alive. So then in every situation that I ran into, that's exactly what I do. Like I'll always continue to listen to motivational stuff or books. You know, I constantly have that pouring into me. But when I'm getting to my point that I know I'm at rock bottom or I'm, I'm getting back to rebuild my foundation, it's like that goes into overdrive and I start listening to even more and I surround myself with even more positive, uplifting things. So as I found myself in my parents' house, all four of my kids in one bedroom or two in one bedroom and me sharing with other kids, the other child and, and just trying to find jobs, trying to make it work. I would just pour. I would just listen. Every time I got into the car, it was an uplifting audio, whether it be on YouTube or a book, an audio book that I could download. And the thing is, is like, 
I was also at that point in a situation or I, I was in a very, very rigid religion. Mm-hmm. So, and inside this religion, it was very, you know, had a lot of rules and regulations and I was practicing it completely and, and adhering to it. And the advice that I was given. So the advice that I was given was to get remarried. Because when mm-hmm. you're remarried, then you have stability, you have the husband, you have the income, you have all of this stuff. You know, forget, forget, hey, are you guys a good fit? Forget, hey, is this going to be a good choice for you? Is there a connection? Is there anything? And I was very much counseled to get married. And I did. So it was like, mm-hmm. I think it was like three days after my divorce was final, I remarried a man that I barely, barely knew. <sighs> Out of fear. Yep. Out of fear because I didn't know, like, where is my next paycheck going to come from? And it wasn't about being a gold digger or finding money or finding the stability. I was more afraid of this religious aspect and what they were saying would happen to me if I didn't. I was terrified. And so I did. I jumped into this other marriage. We would, none of us were ready, including him. And so all of a sudden he's, you know, been this single man for a long time and I move in with my four kids and. <laughs> We all gave it our best, but none of us were ready and it was not the right move. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't be the right move for anyone. No. (laughs) But yeah. And so just the true rebound, you just had that true classic rebound experience Mm -hmm. where you just kind of jumped into the next thing because as you said, fear Mm -hmm. was driving you. And I think that again is so relatable because how many of us have made choices or decisions based out of fear, right? Right. And especially when you have outside sources coming in, in your case, your religion at the time, this group of people that you probably trusted Mm -hmm. and believed, right? And they're telling you and giving you this advice. And Man, that's a whole nother thing that we could unpack because it's interesting. I just, I literally just recorded a previous episode on the podcast about feminism in 2020. Uh And, you know, how interesting that nobody thought you actually as a woman could go and make it on your own, right? including yourself. You didn't have enough trust in yourself to know that you actually could make it on your own. It's interesting you say that, April, because I knew that I could. I didn't doubt it for a second. I had just been through all of these things. Like I remember sitting there being like, what the hell? I can do it. I see like I'm strong. I can do this. But there was still that opening because I was so willing. And so just looking for any guidance in counsel or any guidance or direction that, that I was listening, I was willing to put my thoughts aside and listen to somebody else's. Yep. Yep, that's exactly what happens. And I talk about that in that feminism episode is how we adopt other people's opinions Mm -hmm. and thoughts Mm -hmm. and ideas instead of getting quiet with ourselves and really asking, is this the truth? Is this what I believe? Right. Being a critical thinker and thinking objectively, which is hard. It's hard for all of us. So I'm not, you know, there's no shame, but... I mean, and I felt I succumbed to that too, but that is what happens. And then we do make choices out of fear because we're just so overloaded with all of these messages. You just want to do something to try to make somebody happy, right? Mm -hmm. But forgetting sometimes that the person you need to be trying to make happy is yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we get into marriage number two. Mm -hmm. That sounds like it was all a disaster (laughs) from even the beginning. Uh, (laughs) Yes, yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Safe to say. Safe to say. But let's dig into this because this is when you were really sick. Mm -hmm. You were having a lot of symptoms that were doctors couldn't really 
pinpoint what was happening to you. Just like you said, you weighed 80 pounds, losing a lot of weight, had no energy, mm-hmm. just really felt like you were on death's bed, quite literally, yeah. because that's what they had really even prescribed, like go home and die. Mm-hmm. So what kept you from dying, do you think? Again, you were pouring into your brain and mindset Mm -hmm. all these positive messages. At what point did those positive messages start to imprint on you enough to say what they're saying is not right? What they're saying is not right. This isn't right, what these doctors are telling me. You know, that's a great question. That's exactly what happened. I remember laying in my bed and I remember looking out the window and literally having a conversation with, I don't know if you want to say higher self, God, universe, having a conversation with something way bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't necessarily in a human form, but I was just having this conversation. And all of a sudden something flipped and it was like, I knew that I had more power over myself. All of a sudden I knew this. I had more power over myself than I realized and that I needed to or that I got to choose. It was flat and simple. You get to choose. Lacey, this is your choice. Do you want to pass away? Do you want to move on to the next thing? Do you want to leave the earthly life? Or do you want to stay? It doesn't matter either way, Mm -hmm. but it's your choice. And I chose to leave. I did. I chose. I was like, sweet. I can try something else. I'm checking out. (laughs) Like this, this life thing that I signed up for, I didn't read the fine print and it's freaking hard. So it sucks. Yeah. So I want this option over here. So I did. I remember choosing that. And as soon as I started, the only way I can describe it is I started to move towards that side of the room or that direction. And all of a sudden I stopped in my tracks and I was like, this is not my story. This is not how my story is going to end. Anyway, and I turned around or I instantly was like, okay, nope, this isn't right. I want to go back. And as I headed back, you know, when I, when I say back, I say back to earth, back to my body, back to this mm-hmm. life. As I was coming back, I distinctly heard and it felt like I got a great big hug from somewhere, this massive hug. I distinctly heard, are you sure? Because going back will be the hardest thing you've ever done. So a warning sign. I had a massive warning sign, but I, stopped and I saw some things and it was interesting because I always assumed that if I was in a near-death experience that I would come back for my kids, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, cool. I have these beautiful babies. Everybody works so hard for it. It's like kids, kids, kids. But in that moment, I stood there and I knew that no matter what, my kids would be okay because I just, I knew it with, without a shadow of a doubt, I knew it. But I also knew that this would be the hardest thing I'd ever done, that going back to my life would be extremely difficult, but the reward or the end result at some point would be absolutely incredible. And I saw just so many amazing things. And so I took the leap of faith and was like, all right, I'll go back to that life. Like, let's do this. And that's something that I've held on to through most everything. Because when you're in such dark situations, whether it be fighting health, whether it be mental, physical, emotional, or I guess no matter what dark space you're in, or or you feel like you're at ground zero, it's like having being able to dig deep and find that switch that you know is there. And it's like you can flip the switch and this whole fire just ignites and then you can just keep going. And so you feel that fire and that fuel now 
even after all the things that have happened, even after that decision. (laughs) That's one of the things that you feel like has kept you going. Absolutely. Even though sometimes it's not as fiery or as intense, it's still there. It's something that I can quiet myself, dig deep and find and hold on to. And so it sounds to me just what you're saying was this real clear, conscious decision to live. Yes, absolutely. It was a choice. Mm -hmm. A choice. Yeah. Really beautiful. I mean, and powerful too, that again, that survivor in you like, oh, no, 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 I'm not done. I I, I can keep going. I know it's going to be hard, but I can keep going. Like you just, you just decided. I love it. That's, that is you. That is who, how I perceive you. So what we ended up finding out, yes, right, yes. with all of this illness and this craziness and unexplained chronic conditions yes. that you were dealing with that no doctor could quite put together as you know what the problem was ultimately you ended up discovering and having other doctors come on board with a diagnosis that you had breast implant illness which is you know toxins leaking out of breast implants mm-hmm. that you had you know had planted in had the surgery years mm-hmm. ago so and i know that this is this is again an, another topic that is is becoming more known mm-hmm. as women do come forward and talk about that i think you are now the third or fourth person that I personally have interviewed and shared their stories publicly mm-hmm. about breast implant illness. There's been some other women that I have also just seen online talking about it. But now that I have done three or four different interviews with women, I've learned myself a little bit more about it. Is that, you know, what happens when you get breast implants is that it's not always like the perfect environment for those implants to live and toxins can begin to leak out Mm -hmm. and spill into your body and cause a variety of unexplainable occurrences you know, headaches, nausea, you know, loss of like you, you losing weight, unexplained, Mm -hmm. losing weight, chronic pain. It gets misdiagnosed a lot as like fibromyalgia or arthritis or other things, you know, chronic migraines. But really, when all of that is happening at one time, (laughs) you know, it does make you ponder what in the world is going on in my body. And so when you finally, can you talk us through like what that was like to discover that it was your implants that was literally killing you? Yeah. So it's not, for me at least, it wasn't a moment that I'm like, oh, it's my implants. Well, crap, that that sucks. Get them out. You wouldn't think that. That's not what, yeah. So I actually, it it was a big journey and a big process. And it still is, like still to this day, Mm -hmm. because I've had my implants out just over a year. And you know, there are still things that I'm detoxing and healing and and getting rid of. But, but one of the hardest things for me to deal with in getting that diagnosis or realizing that that's what could be causing all my problems or was causing my problems was getting away from the guilt because I didn't have to get breast implants. Okay. Yeah. That was a choice. I chose to get them because I thought that I was broken, that my body was not good enough. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to make my relationship with my husband better. It wasn't to go outside. There's a stigma around breast implants that women get them to get attention from other people or or they're looking out somewhere else. But for me, I was like, no, I'm going to get these because I've had, at the time I had three kids. My body has completely changed. My marriage is a mess. And maybe if I'm better... Maybe if I, I act better and I look better, it's going to fix everything. Yep. And so then we all know how that worked. It didn't fix everything. <laughs> I ended in divorce. And then I have all these health issues around it. And it was all because 
of something I chose to do. Yeah. And so the guilt, like the mental game to get around that, it's been a little tricky. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, you're still in that. You're still coming through this journey because you just had your surgery a year ago. Uh-huh. And even that, again, this is just such, again, that like I said in the beginning, Lacey's story is just where the knocks just keep coming. (laughs) And this is about the time where I met you and you deciding to have the surgery Mm -hmm. and all of that. And we were actually working together. You were a client of mine. And talk us through that decision because it was not only just I'm going to get the breast implants taken out, you also decided to completely have your breast removed because why? Correct. (laughs) Yes. So I started down this journey when, you know, when I realized it was the breast implants and I was like, okay, they, they get to go. Like I'm, I'm done. So I started meeting with doctor after doctor after doctor. And it's really hard to, to find a doctor to remove your breast implants. It's getting easier, but it's very, very, very difficult because one, they don't know how, you know, the education, the knowledge isn't out there. And they're, they're not certain that that's what, what causes it. But it's interesting that it's so hard to get them out. So I started through this journey and it was like every doctor I met with, it, um, all these different things came up. And because of my family history of cancer, yep. they recommended that I go get genetic testing. So I put it off. The first time it was recommended, I put it off for quite a little while, like maybe two years. Then another doctor recommended and then another doctor. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go get genetic testing. I'm going to go get this done because I have a lot of cancer in my family. I think I have eight close relatives that have cancer, not all of them breast cancer. That's different kinds, but Mm -hmm. I figured, okay, why not? Let's go get this genetic testing and better safe than sorry. Let's do some research. So I did. I went and had two different genetic panels ran. And it came back that I had two cancers or two markers for breast cancer in my genetic results. So I sat with the oncologist and spoke with him and we went through the whole thing. And I remember sitting in the doctor's office with him and saying, I know I want my breast implants out. I want those gone. And they reviewed my file and they said, well, with these two markers, plus your family history, we recommend that you just have a, a prophylactic mastectomy. Just have both breasts removed. And the, I don't remember the specific numbers, but it was like taking me from 90% down to less than 20% chance of getting okay. breast cancer. And then I remember them looking at me, the doctor looking at me with the information that he had. And he said, Lacey, with these numbers, it is not if, but when. We recommend you get a prophylactic mastectomy. And I felt like I had just been punched in the gut because I didn't want to. I just wanted my mistake undone. I just wanted my implants out. I didn't want to alter my body again. I didn't want to try to be anything different. I just wanted to be me. I wanted the implants out. I wanted my help. And I just wanted to actually, I don't know, try to live life again. Cause I, <laughs> yeah. I had, I'd been sick for so long and, and been going through so many things. And so I was, I was angry and I was hurt and I was scared. So I sat on that information. It was almost a year that I went and got second opinions. I mm-hmm. sat on it with myself because I learned from my past. Don't just always take advice from somebody else, right? Like <laughs> kind of dig deep. Yeah. Trying to like listen to yourself. That's good. Yes. And I sat on it for quite a while and I just went back and forth, back and forth 
finally resulting in going and deciding to get the prophylactic mastectomy. So, so I decided to do that, which then was a whole nother journey because then I had to find a couple different surgeons. I had a pla- I had to have a plastic surgeon to remove the implants. I had to have a, a general surgeon to remove the breast tissue, you know, find a hospital we could actually have that type of surgery in. It was a lot to navigate and to orchestrate. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and just having to be your own advocate, because this really is, you were truly in some uncharted territory by this point. I mean, divorce, check. Lots of people have been through that. Mm-hmm. You know, losing a grandmother to cancer, check. Lots of people have been done that. Mm-hmm. You know, rebuilding your life after being a single mom and having four kids, check. Lots of people mm-hmm. have done that too, mm-hmm. right? But this whole thing around, you know, breast implant illness, removing implants, and having the markers for cancer and deciding to go ahead and have just your breast altogether removed from your body, the breast taken out Mm -hmm. completely. Probably not a lot of podcasts and (laughs) audio books and empowering messages out there in the universe for you to consume about how to navigate that one. Yeah, it was very, very tricky. And like you're saying, not a lot of education out there anywhere about it at all. So having to find and decide, okay, is there any type of reconstruction I want to try to do? Do you take everything when you do a mastectomy? Do you take the nipple? Do you take everything? Do you leave something? <laughs> like there are things you don't think about. You just don't know. Right? Yeah. And so it gets really tricky and it's like, okay, where do you want your scars? You know, because you get to choose. Yeah. Do you want them high? Do you want them low? Do you want it to go all the way across? Like there are so many components that you just don't think about until you're sitting in the doctor's office with the surgeon and they're like, oh, and then they said, well, are you sure? Are you sure you want your breast implants removed? Because we can just take the breast tissue and leave your implants so you still have breasts. And I'm like, I don't know. But they're making me sick. But I had a moment that I'm like, I don't know. Do I? I I don't know because this is big. To go from a triple D to nothing, that's, I had to take some time and I paused a lot. (laughs) I tell everybody, I'm like, I'm pushing pause. Nobody do anything. I'm, I got to think about this. So yeah, it was a lot of uncharted territory. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, big time. I can't, I really can't imagine. I know any woman out there, if you just pause and think about that for yourself right now, you know, if that were you, Mm -hmm. can you imagine making that decision? But you did. You decided you you did press unpause mm-hmm. eventually and you press played and you went forward and you had the surgery. You had the implants taken mm-hmm. out and you had your breasts removed. And you also chose not to do any sort of reconstruction surgery. Correct. You decided that you would now be <laughs> bootless and fabulous. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Which is really where, again, when, when we were working together, you you had the surgery. And, and, and of course, there's just so much to Lacey's story, obviously. But what was so empowering about that time, I felt from you, was your decision to actually really not just share your story with friends <laughs> and family, right? Like, you were already doing that. I mean, you were pretty open. You're like an open book kind of girl. But you you really decided, no, 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 I'm going to harness the power of the story. And I'm going to let this story do some good, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to let the story do some good. And so you decided to share your story on the TEDx stage. Mm -hmm. So can you talk us through that decision and, and just that, that big step of going forward and, and not only coming off the surgery and recovering Mm -hmm. and trying to navigate what was it like to be a woman with no boobs, Mm -hmm. 
I mean, first of all, answer that question. If you can. <laughs> what is it like to be a woman with no boobs? And then when did you, do you remember what it was like to decide that I'm actually going to go and share this story in a big, big way? Yeah, for sure. I love social media and I love connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's one of the things that Lacey does <laughs> for a living, by the way, FYI, you know, you're in, we're in media and marketing and you get all that. Yes. Yes. So there's a lot of Facebook groups that I'm a part of for um, breast implant illness. So if you guys are questioning or you have any question at all, if you're struggling yeah. with breast implant illness, go find a good group on Facebook and connect with other women. Get help. They have so many answers, tools, resources. You are not alone. Go look. And you don't have to commit to anything. You can at least just connect with a community and get the, the help and the support that you're looking for or may or may not be looking for, but you at least have it at your fingertips. So I'm in a big, you know, a part of a lot of uh, several of those breast implant illness groups. But then I dug deeper and I was like, well, if there's, if there's groups for breast implant illness which isn't that well known, there has to be groups for women who've gone flat because I know mm-hmm. I can't be the, only, be the only one. So I started researching and I found some very small ones, um, which they have grown substantially over the last year. And so I found these groups and I started connecting with these women and I started learning, you know, different things. Okay. How does your life change when you go flat? How does your life change when you don't have breasts? Can you still be sexy? Like, okay, Mm -hmm. cool. Can you still like, you know, be attractive in the, and in that area. And I learned so much from these women, but I remember sitting there one day and looking at my newsfeed and going through the group and connecting with these women. And I literally probably felt the most heartbroken I ever had. Uh, After everything I've been through, I watched these women feel so insecure, Mm -hmm. feel so heartbroken, feel so worthless. And not that they were looking for a pity party, but I could just see them as they would post in these groups. I could feel them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what to call it. If it's the mama bear that came out in me or what it was, but I could sit there and I could see them. And I was like, absolutely not. These are some of the most beautiful, gorgeous, courageous women I have ever seen. And you know what? I can go be their voice. I can talk. I can stand on a stage and I can say, your femininity doesn't come from the outside. It doesn't matter what your body looks like. It doesn't matter what size of boobs you have. It doesn't matter. You are a gorgeous woman. Own it. Be it. And that's where I let everything go. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I can be judged. I can, you know, stand on a stage because I I ended up going out on, on the TEDx stage topless. I mean, I had a a blazer on, but that was really quite difficult to be honest. (laughs) But I thought, you know what? No, we need to bring awareness to this. We need to to get it out there. The more that people can see that they can be normal and they can be beautiful and they they can see real, true, raw beauty, the more it's going to empower everybody. It was so amazing. Um, I'm going to link up your TEDx talk to the show notes of the episode, you guys. So you'll have an easy way to go find her TEDx talk. And, you know, I, I'm not just saying this because, I mean, you you really did the work on your own to build out your TEDx talk. It, it really came after our time working together. But 
Um, I'm not just saying this because you were a client. I am saying this because your story is so freaking good. And the way you delivered it on that TEDx stage and you're rocking that, you know, hot pink and you're, you know, got no, no clothes on underneath the blazer and you do see your flat chest and it just was gorgeous. It was just such an empowering thing. And I know you had so much amazing feedback mm-hmm. from women and just how, how uh, generous really of you to share your story in that way so that it could be a voice for those other women. And that's exactly what sharing our stories does. I mean, again, you will hear me repeat that on this podcast (laughs) every chance I get so that all of you out there listening will be asking yourself, what is your story? How can I use it? How can I use it to empower other people? How can I use it to heal myself and help others? And because I promise you it's available to you, you do not have to have a story like Lacey's, right? You, you do, you have one of these TEDx worthy type talks of getting out there and sharing this amazing unbelievable, remarkable <laughs> journey. And we're not even done yet. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, there's more. But, oh, yeah, there's more. You guys, as if it's like, right? Like you're thinking, okay, no, no, and no, we're done. No, 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 no. we're not. No. But this is why I know, um, depending, on, it doesn't matter what anyone believes, you are being guided. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, God, the universe, whatever you're going to call it, but God is guiding you. God, you are on this journey for a reason because you are someone that is willing to use your voice and you do. You're not scared of that. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff doesn't make you freak out, right? Like that's easy for you. It comes naturally. It's part of your personality. And so you are being used. You're being used in a good, positive way. You truly are a light Mm -hmm. beamer in this regard, Lacey. And it's humbling to see women like you go and give the story so generously. It's almost like you're taking one for the team, you know, because you are the one that's fighting these battles. You're the one that's navigating this uncharted territory. You're the one that is processing all of these emotions Mm -hmm. and all of this, which none of this, I mean, we're kind of glazing over it to just get through the (laughs) podcast. But like, really, if I sat and asked you all these questions of how did each one of these pit stops on your journey make you feel? I mean, I know that we, I mean, what would you say? Like, how have you felt at times on this journey? How did these different pit stops and different blows truly make you feel? Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of times I asked, why me? Why mm-hmm. me? Like, and why more? Like, I can't do this. Why? And then yeah. there were a lot of times that it's like, I don't even know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like you said, just being like, okay, it's good. Like I can do this. I, I have the voice. I have the strength. I'm going to stand up and not even take one for the team, but just be the voice for those who are, are suffering because that's what makes me keep going. And yeah. the times that I want to quit and want to fail and have all the overwhelming emotions is usually when I have somebody else reach out to me or I see somebody else post something. The times, you know, that I, that I feel so like, why, <laughs> why me? You know, there are many times I've had conversations with God and, and higher beings where I'm like, Hey, hold on, hold on. You think I'm way cooler than I am. Like, stop giving me so many things. I'm not that cool. And it just keeps coming. But, but then they also help give me the resources and the things to move out of it too. Yeah. Well, just that alone, sharing the information and sharing the story educates and empowers other people and it educates and empowers you along the way. Mm-hmm. So I want to wrap this up by sharing 
I would love to say the last blow because we don't know what's next. You know, like none of us ever know what's around the corner. I mean, any one of us could get divorce papers tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Any one of us could get a phone call from our mom or grandmother that says we both have cancer. Any one of us could get a diagnosis of our own that is going to be a challenge. Any one of these things could be on someone else's doorstep tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So that's why your story is so powerful because the things that you have been through are things that, again, are unfortunately available to all of us and will continue to happen in our world, mm-hmm. right? As long as we're here, these things are, we coexist with disease and, you know, divorce and loneliness and hardships. We coexist with those things, mm-hmm. but it's how we learn to navigate and how we learn to move forward, yeah. which is what is so important about your message and just you illustrating this by being that survivor and just keep going and keep putting that one foot in front of the other. But most recently, actually very recently, very, recently, yes, very, very, very recently. So you guys, this information she's sharing now is is very fresh and tender, Mm -hmm. but you received a phone call. This is one year plus post surgery Mm -hmm. from removing your breast and removing your implants after being told it's not if you get cancer, Mm -hmm. but when, what was that phone call? Yes. So I was sitting at my desk working and I get a phone call from my oncology office and I instantly was like, why are they calling me? It's been over a year since I've had anything to do with them. So instantly my mind went into, okay, I probably owe them money. There's probably a bill that got missed. Like, cool, no problem. I didn't pick up the phone. I'm going to take care of this right now. So I answer the phone and I could tell from the voice on the other line, it was not the billing department. And they ask if it was me. And then they said, Hey, um, Lacey, we just got some new information and we've been going through your records and we are calling to let you know that your two markers that you, you have, they do not cause breast cancer. There is no correlation. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, what? Like literally that whole, what? So I just asked the the lady on the other end of the phone. I said, I am not sure. I just understood what you said. Can you please repeat yourself? So she got to say it again and I got to hear it again. And she told me once again, the two markers that I have are not correlated to breast cancer. And I said, do you realize a year and two months ago, I had a full mastectomy due to that information. My breasts are gone. And I don't remember the rest of my conversation. I'm pretty sure I just went into shock at this point. Mm -hmm. I shut down. But what was very interesting, April, is as I took that call, I was getting ready to go in and do a business meeting, a really big business proposal. And so I remember just shutting everything down and being like, well, I don't, I don't know what to do with that information. So I hit that massive pause button again. I use my pause button a lot. So mm-hmm. I hit that massive pause button again. I went and I did my presentation, totally rocked it, had a phenomenal presentation. I was on cloud nine. I get in my car. I'm driving to go pick up my kids. And I just had this overwhelming feeling to just pull over and cry. 
And I was like, what is wrong? Why am I wanting to cry? Right? Like what is happening? And it was a couple hours later that it finally opened back up and I got to hear that news again, you know, on replay. It was like, I got out of my car and I saw my mom and dad standing there and I just walked over and I was like, I just really need a hug. I don't know why, but I just need a hug. So they gave me a massive hug. And then I got back in my car and all of a sudden I went, Oh my word. I just got that phone call. I got that phone call today and it just hit and it was like game over. I don't know that I've ever, ever pulled over and cried so hard in my life. (laughs) Yeah. It was so powerful, Lacey, because how I came to find this out was watching you on Facebook. You did a Facebook Live and you shared this information fairly, maybe a week later or so, pretty quickly. Yeah, Yeah, just a few weeks later. And I saw you share. And of course, I, you know, I know your story now. I've been following and I'm <laughs> celebrating you and I've been like cheering you on and like, oh my gosh, she's doing it. And then to see that, you know, I immediately picked up the phone and reached out to you and, and invited you here mm-hmm. to share this piece of, well, to share all the story, but to share this most recent development. You know, normally when I would talk to people about their story, this would be, this would be the time. And my line of questioning, what I would say is like, well, then, you know, what do you know to be true? What do you want others to know about this? How can others take this information and learn from you? And I know (laughs) that you're still in that story. I think Glennon Doyle says, you don't tell the story from the wound. You wait and tell the story from the scar. You are in that wound right now still processing this information. But with that being said, there are some things that I do know. There's a lot that I don't. Okay. There's a lot that still is processing, but there are some things that I know. The first and foremost is we hear it all the time, but life is about the journey. Whether it yep. is, so we're just going to keep talking about my, my surgery, my breast being gone. Okay. I thought I had mourned them and lost them and that it was a closed thing. I, I was like, it's been a year, over a year. Like I put all of the thought into it. I, you know, did all the internal work that I had available to do at that time. And now with this new piece of information, I get to mourn at a whole different level and it's okay. Okay. It's okay to mourn things or to go through things at different times. It is not, okay, cool. I did this. I had this done, book closed. We're putting it on the shelf. Okay. Which I didn't really fully understand that. And to be able to stop and say, no, it's okay. I can re-mourn the loss of my breasts. It's okay. It's totally okay. And in that re-mourning or mourning at a different level, this is the part I'm most excited about, is I found a whole new level of love for myself. You know, because before it was like, okay, I chose to do this. I chose to have my breast removed to avoid cancer, to avoid having to make hard choices on health decisions, you know, what treatments to have if it ever happened. And, you know, it was more of a a stance of, of me taking power and choosing that. And it went from that feeling like me in power and making this choice to something being completely taken away from me. Mm -hmm. And there were a few weeks there that I was like, well, now I'm less than, you know, this was taken from me. I'm a victim. It's gone. And I was Mm -hmm. angry and I was bitter and I was hurt. And then I was like, okay, seriously, there's nothing you can do about it. 
there's n- I can't go get my breast put back on. I could do reconstruction. I don't want to. So why stay in the victim mentality? And why don't you look at yourself like what you've been telling other women to look at themselves? You were mm-hmm. still just as beautiful. I, you know, I am still just as beautiful. I am still just as amazing. My body is incredible. My soul is incredible. It doesn't matter how my breasts got removed, whether it was by choice or because it happened. And for me to make that or to learn that over the last couple of weeks, I cannot even describe to you what it does to your soul. And so those are the things that I know right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said, there's still a lot I don't know and I'm working through, but but I feel pretty good and pretty confident in the amount of re-mourning that I've gone through and the discovery of a whole deeper level of self-love. That is extraordinary and so beautiful. And at the end of the day, when you look back on the decision to get breast implants to begin with, the reason why, you know, to try to make your husband happy and make it better, the divorce and the multiple divorces that you've had, right? Yes. I mean, seriously, like, again, like, there's a lot trapped up in this. Yes. Like, people go through those experiences because there's some shit going on, right? It's not just because, I mean, there's deeper, deeper things going on. Do you think this has been a self-love journey all along? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I really feel that it is getting down to the core to be able to love yourself from that spot out. Yeah. Not just at a higher level, you know, like if you picture a layer, you know, layers of something, not just at a higher level, because I, I feel like I've always been pretty good at that. And most of us are, you know, towards the top of the layers, it's really pretty, you can be comfortable loving yourself there, but to get clear to the core, to be able mm-hmm. to love yourself at the core and no matter what. And it's interesting because I know that it's still part of my journey. I know that's why I've been through three divorces. I know that's why I've moved so much. I've been homeless. I've, you know, try building businesses, doing all of these things is to show myself that I, I am always here and I'm always okay. And I can love myself no matter what. It's funny because as we talk about all of these things, but, but then we go to like maybe a more relatable situation. When that's why I know now that's why I I shaved my head and why I have no hair because I want to be so purely authentically raw that what you see is what you get. Either Mm -hmm. take it or you don't, but it doesn't affect me either way because I'm okay. Yeah. Not even needing the approval of one single person because you've given it to yourself first. Absolutely. And you've received that love this higher connection that you have, even back in that moment of making that decision to live or die, Mm -hmm. that spirit that you felt told you either way is fine. Yeah. Whatever you choose, you are, you know, it's fine. But you made the conscious choice then. And that conscious choice clearly has been guiding you since then. Yes. It's just amazing the way that you process and the way that you find the deeper meaning and the way that you, come out of it even now, even this most recent development already having discerned, 
you know, really what this is about and you being able to see at the core, it is the self-love journey, Mm -hmm. which just, there's definitely another TEDx (laughs) talk there. There's a book, I don't know, a mini series. I mean, a Netflix show, I don't know. April, right? (laughs) It certainly made for a fabulous Inside Story podcast episode. And I just thank you so much for sharing all of it with us today and being so open. I know that you have some fabulous resources that you can share in terms of like some of those Facebook groups. We'll share your TEDx talk in the show notes as well, as well as just a place where any of you can connect with Lacey. And, you know, if you want to have her come share her story with your organization, this girl's got it in her for sure. And I just am so appreciative of your time. And I'm really, really, really love watching you grow. It's amazing. Thank you, April. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you in my life. So thank you. (laughs) Well, this has been an amazing episode of the Inside Story. I know that many of you all are in some way, shape or form connected to a piece of Lacey's story. And I hope that in some way it served you exactly the way that you needed it today. Thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it? I've taken my simple process that I've used for years as a journalist and broken it down into a three-part storytelling formula that will help you discover the key components of your own story and how to share it. It's a free resource I've created to help you become a light beamer by sharing your story. Simply go to www.lightbeamers.com and click on the big yellow button on the homepage to download your story formula. I'd love to hear your story too. So be sure to join my free community on Facebook, the Light Beamers community, and share your story with me. I can't wait to learn more about you and the story that's inside of you. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when our next broadcast is live. You will want to stay tuned to the stories we are lining up for you next. I promise they are so good. As always, Light Beamers, I'm over here cheering for you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.